0: Uh, Welcome. Uh, We have a podcast with a special guest today, Jennifer Huffaker. She attended a CSM a few weeks ago. And when she did her introduction, she said, I'm a school teacher. And I just went, whoa, this is cool. Because I had heard Scrum being used in places that were maybe not software, maybe hardware, maybe a service. I'd also heard of it being used in schools but I'd yet to come across someone who was actually experiencing and doing it. So I asked her after class if she would be so kind to come on a podcast and tell us her story and she did. Thank you Jennifer.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Glad you glad you agreed to do this and uh, thank you for taking your time. So really I would just like to know your story and the first thing is you know maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. And, and where you were when you decided to maybe try this in the field you're in. And so how did you come about to know about Scrum and what made you decide, I want to try this?
1: Yeah, so um, it was for sure not a linear um, journey to Scrum, um, but also my journey into teaching was not linear either. So <laughs> pretty typical. Um, I had been teaching traditional English language arts and social studies to high-risk, um, generationally poor kids who were facing a lot of challenges, most of which have nothing to do with the um, education they were receiving, but um, lots of people look to the education system to address those problems. And, um, and so I was really looking for how best to serve my students. How do I accomplish what the traditional education system doesn't? Because the traditional ed system leaves out significant percentages of our student population. So I did what I always do, which is to Google it. I have um, an irrational bias thinking that somebody else has solved this problem before. I don't think anything I'm doing is the first time a human has done it. So I started researching. And um, I came across, well, Finland has changed. And this was maybe eight years ago. They changed their educational system. Instead of um, subject matter silos, they were going to more thematic education. So instead of an English class and a math class that were separate, they would, for example, learn about the environment. And within the environment, they would build in English and math. And I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I started building my curriculum in that direction. Then I came across project-based learning, which was really a significant turning point. Um, And, you know, I think that pretty much everyone has an experience with a teacher who did a project that was really cool, right? Can you think of an experience you had?
0: Yep, absolutely. Whether it be history project, science project, or, you know, those things that are outside of the standard lecture, homework afterwards type of thing. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And for me, it was watching my brother... Um, His fourth grade math teacher, Mr. Ascone, did a a version of Monopoly to teach them economics. And I was wildly envious when I didn't end up in Mr. Ascone's class. So Yeah, when you have those teachers
0: that you hear about and then you don't get them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I thought, okay, I can... Do projects. I can surely think of or download from the internet or scrape together some projects for my students to do that would be meaningful. And then I went one step further learning about um, the Stanford um, design thinking framework and how that could be used in schools. So um, instead of simply teaching my students a concept and then having them do a project, um, project based learning wraps that all together and says the project is the learning so we're not um, segmenting our teaching and then asking the kid to do a thing we're learning while in the commission of doing and so it's it's messy and it's chaotic and I had to learn to get comfortable in that messiness Um, but then design thinking added this other more authentic aspect I think really what students today and this is all students not just the most at-risk students that I started with. I think all students today are crying out for authenticity. And we all asked that question in algebra. When am I ever going to use the quadratic equation? You know, we we all ask those questions, but I think it's become more urgent to answer them today. A kid asking, why am I learning this? If people in the 1950s were learning from this same curriculum, this same setup, how does that apply to my life today? Because the world has changed significantly. And so I think it's up to teachers to answer that question. And the way I've answered it is, you're right. You should be solving problems that are real. And um, I believe that teenagers are capable of the most extraordinary thing. They are not that dissimilar in their skill sets to adults. And I think they are consistently undervalued. Um, And when they're given projects that are important Um, and that have urgency to them, they rise to the occasion. So that's what design thinking gave students interviewing people in the community, building empathy for what does this person need? What is something I can do or a resource I can find for this person that connects them to the need? And uh, this is one place in the CSM course that I thought, okay, I'm doing something right. When I use the same video, the, um, is it the, the Nordstrom yeah. eyeglass pop-up shop? Yeah. I use that video with my students I have for the last four years, maybe, to introduce the idea to them of iterative process in right. our work. Um, yeah, so, so I was doing that at um, a really dynamic project-based school, still a public school, but serving students who really wanted that relevant experience. Um, and when that school closed down, I thought, well, I need to continue just because I'm in a social studies classroom in a middle school right now doesn't mean these kids don't have something to offer. Um, and I think that's really where Scrum comes in. I learned about um, Scrum Agile methodologies in 2018. Uh, I, t- I took my students on a field trip to a local um, credit union. And they had an IT department who allowed us to watch their retrospective, and we didn't—we didn't have any framework for this. Sure, I was just helping kids build an app, and I said, "Well, let me take you to see somebody who's doing that in action because I'm not," and uh, and I was able to learn so much. I still have <laughs> the notes that I took that day, and I saw the scrum master, and I thought that's teaching that is something that works in the classroom and it's industry standard or should be right. <laughs> not everybody has adopted it, but we know that they should. Um, and I thought, yeah, this is a good way, even when I'm not doing something real and urgent of giving kids the experience of working in a tech startup.
0: And, you know, you, you for you to point out, you know, that's teaching, scrum masters do have to teach it. it it's, it's, it's a part of being a coach. There's the teaching the technique or teaching what's expected. And then there's obviously observing the game and coaching mm-hmm. the game. Uh, so when you look back, uh, what was what was some of the greatest things that you saw come out of it? What, was, what were like the high points of it or what, what were the things that you saw? What was the first thing you started to notice?
1: The first thing when I implemented Scrum, when I appointed myself as the Scrum Master, um, was that I noticed a remarkable increase in um, retention in our app design group, there had been a massive amount of quitting. (laughs) That's pretty typical with teenagers, right? Especially if it wasn't linked to a grade, which it wasn't at the time. Um, So I noticed that the kids who were coming kept coming back. And then the second thing I noticed was that they were more excited during stressful times. So the way I implemented Scrum Um, allowed them to retain more of their motivation. It allowed us to talk about our gains and also to design our workflow in a way that seemed like it could be accomplished. So shorter sprints instead of just looking at the whole big piece. So um, yeah, it was really meaningful. And I think we would never have designed the app that we were designing. If not for finding about scrum.
0: The, uh, if you were to do it all over again, what would be something you'd maybe uh, do different?
1: Yeah, it's so tempting to say, um, I would have found out about it first. (laughs) Before (laughs) You know, we were like three quarters done through this project. The deadline was breathing down our necks at that point. So it's, uh, yeah, I would love to have um, been more diligent about finding out about how to lead a software development team. Looking back, it's so easy to think, well, of course, I should have looked into that. I thought I could lead it as a project-based teacher with design thinking. And it turned out that we needed something else to accelerate our progress. And Scrum gave us that framework. Um, And I've carried it forward into my traditional classroom as well. And it has pretty similar results in terms of who the is your product
0: owner? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I'm like, you go brought it into your traditional classroom. It's like, so are you the product owner and the scrum master, or do you actually have somebody else who's the product owner? does that working?
1: Yeah, I definitely asked myself that question a ton in the CSM class. I thought, <laughs> I
0: thought okay. What am I doing? Am I both? Am I-
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that there are many sprints in which I am the product owner and the scrum master. And learning more, now being certified, I can see um, the tension there and that it is not the most appropriate setup. So I think moving forward, um, I would love to not be the product owner. Before COVID, I would say I wasn't the product owner. I would have outside um, agencies, organizations, businesses, or even just teachers from other classes come in and serve as the product owner. That hasn't been happening as much this year. We did some in the first semester, not so much in the second semester. Um, so, yeah, the product owner is sometimes me. Um, I do try to invite an outside audience when my students are presenting their work um, so that they can get the feel of an outside owner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's more work that I need to do in implementing that for sure.
0: Well, if it's been working to this point, but the, the point you made that I like to point out is that you, because of COVID, you just inspected and adapted, right? It's like, okay, what can I do? And you do the best you can with what you got. I, I know of a, of a instance in Phoenix, they were talking about how they were, uh, it was an at-risk school. So that's what I had heard. And what I had uh, heard is that they actually had one of the kids that was having the most trouble become the product owner. And they said, you're Classic. responsible you're responsible for making sure these kids get through this curriculum throughout the year. And you get to decide what are you it in because you're the product owner. And to hear you say that when the, one of the first things you saw was engagement or, or retention, uh, that's what they saw with this kid, that the kid decided, started to, had ownership, like you said, mattered and had something to, to, uh, to, to do and had others relying upon him. And so it was a turnaround. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't know if you had heard that or knew, knew about that, but that was another thing that that I had seen. And again, this is taking it into areas that was never intended to be in. But, <laughs> yeah, span, education right? but when something that. works, it can span. So run yeah. experiments, see what happens. You know, there's, who's going to come in and say, you know, Jennifer, you're doing Scrum wrong, right? It, it's it's not what, that's not going to happen. It's, is what you're doing working, and is it continuing to work? Or are you noticing that, hey, is there throughout the spirit of continuous improvement, maybe this is an area I start to look at. Maybe it's lower on the, on the, the priority right now, but that's just awesome. Absolutely. So what's yeah. next?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I think that uh, I'm definitely considering um, opening my own school. Yeah, I'll just lay it out there. Here's Let's my five-year vision. Let's do it. Uh, In the next five years, like five years from now, what I would like to be true about me is that I got some experience working um, as a scrum master and uh, for a company that does something in education and that that company wants to open a school. And I would love to um, be the scrum master of the school and um, help students access learning in this way. I think it promotes curiosity. It promotes responsibility. I think it's so good for kids. And if we could graduate kids from high school, having the credentials that they need um, to be productive, to be active, to um, be good citizens in our communities, to be employable, uh, gosh, I can't see a downside to that.
0: Have you thought about, would it be like, uh, would you start small and then expand the number of years that you cover? Or were you thinking more like, High school, middle school, what, what were your thoughts, if you have even thought about it?
1: Um, I always think about 6 12, 6th through 12th grades because that's that's my wheelhouse. Um, sure. I don't see why it couldn't go younger. Um, but, yeah, probably starting small makes sense. <laughs> well, you know, I like it, to dream s- big.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, there was a school that I'm familiar with here uh, locally that you know they started – now, granted, I'm not saying you started kindergarten, but they started like kindergarten – and they just worked up.
1: Yeah. That's they, had such a, a good they had an way initial pilot class.
0: And then after one year, they added the second class, right? And they just kept moving the kids up. And when they got to eighth grade, they're like, well, it's time to make a high school.
1: <laughs> it's just, yeah.
0: So yeah. it's not a huge have- chunk, right? It's not this huge all or nothing, which again, we've learned that, right? Small steps, small releases,
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: yeah we should talk if you want to do that we should talk maybe we can have some uh some help there if you think through some of those things what was Yeah, i would love that what was a bigger challenge for you what was one of the challenges to to get this going for you or did you have? i would oh do i
1: (laughs) daily challenges for sure i would say um one of the biggest challenges has been community perception. Um, And this is something that I found out in the CSM course is the role of the scrum master translating. What the heck am I doing to people who don't have um, exposure to agile methodologies or to the scrum system or to why it's valuable. And so that is the biggest struggle is parents who who children end up in my class not because they've chosen it and they have this crazy teacher who does unbelievable things and makes them stand up every day and talk about what work they're doing for the day um and uh so yeah i think convincing the community and parents and some of my other colleagues that this is a valuable way to lead a classroom even though it looks different that's been the biggest challenge and I think too, um, resources. Yeah, I think resources are always a challenge in schools and not even just money, but also time. I would love to have my students for more than an hour a day focus on what we're building in our sprint. But I teach in a six period day. Sure. Um, and my district isn't willing to, at this time, consider other models Um, when, when you presented during class about the fragmented multitasking, um, and how much productivity is lost chunking up the day like that, I thought, oh man, we're losing so much productivity out of students by having them switch their focus so many times a day. So, um, so yeah, those are the two challenges I would say.
0: I had a question while you were talking and I totally forgot it. (laughs) What was I going to say? It'll come back when I think of something else, but uh, could you tell us why you decided to go get a CSM? So you 2018 kind of when you started working this way and it was 2021 when you came to get your CSM. What was that? You know, I'm, I'm going to go to class. What was that decision? Yeah. How did that come to be?
1: Well, I thought that I had really maxed out um, the YouTube videos I could watch on being a scrum master. <laughs> and um and I wasn't seeing much progression over the course of this school year. And as much as, you know, we're in a pandemic and my principal will say, oh, don't judge yourself based on the work you're doing this year. I think that the pandemic is an extraordinary opportunity for us to innovate and to keep growing and to accelerate the pace of growth. And so I was a little frustrated that um, I didn't uh, I wasn't trying as many new things in this framework and I didn't want to abandon the framework. So I thought I'd better just go legit. I needed my credential and largely the CSM class was a good way for me to find out what, what have I been doing right? Just kind of scrapping it together from different resources. What did I get right and what do I need to adjust? So it, I definitely came out of it with like nine pages of <laughs> what my next iteration is going to look like.
0: And, and oftentimes I did it too. You know, I went to get finally get the class or the certification and you hear in class things that I wasn't doing or we didn't know about. And so you're like, man, but it's, it's as time has gone on. I call upon all of those times because that's where I had the greatest learning. So it's not that you're not doing this. you, You are learning and you are embracing it. So good job, but don't beat yourself up for something you didn't do because what you've done is your own, and you've, you've got invaluable experience. Experience is experience. And some of us think that, you know, we don't have the right credentials of the right experience because maybe our experience, it wasn't this picture perfect example. It's the other messy stuff. That's, that's where, uh, to coin a phrase a smooth sea never makes a skillful sailor. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and
1: I'm, I'm most comfortable on the bumpy sea. I yeah. have <laughs> to be honest well, in in the really? class. When when my group was struggling to just get started trying things out, I was like, nope, let's go. Come on. <laughs> I do this every day. I fail in front of the most <laughs> critical crowd you could have. <laughs> if you I was have just going to say, I don't know
0: how you do it. My mom taught for 40 years, but I don't know how people, and I have the utmost respect for people who can teach kids, especially adolescents, because I, I, I don't know how you do it. Anyway, and that's what I was thinking as soon as you're answering yeah. You are agile all day long. You're nimble. You have to think on your feet. Some of these kids have pretty quick wit.
1: <laughs> and and if they don't have quick wit, they have a quick tongue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're yeah. right. And, and then to be able to be okay with that and to really put yourself out in front of that when they can easily get you down, that's it's impressive. And that's a skill and that plays right into being a great scrum master.
1: Well, thank you. I think kids deserve it. And I think adults deserve it too. So during the CSM course, I started really picturing myself not a teacher, but doing something on a bigger level to impact the teaching going on below it. And I just didn't dream like that before the class. I didn't see myself in that role. I kind of have seen myself as a humble teacher. I don't have any aspirations of becoming a principal or an administrator. I want kids to have somebody unconditionally in their corner, cheering them on. That's my wheelhouse. And I think that thinking of myself only one dimensionally or two dimensionally like that has definitely held me back because I'm starting to see much more possibility for how I can leverage Scrum to get to the next step.
0: That, that just ties nicely into what we talk about. You're trying to create the environment where they can learn fast. And learning fast comes from failing fast and then create the environment where that's okay. And it's psychologically safe to do that. Not comfortable. Growth doesn't come from comfort. It it comes from discomfort. So if you can create that environment for the kids and for your dimension to to think in the other dimension, can I create that environment for teachers to teach that way for the kids? Right. And man, if you can get the environment, right. I don't know if you, you've heard about Simon Sinek, but he says, if you get the environment right, our natural position as human beings is to help each other. If That's we don't so get beautiful. the environment right, if we don't get it right, then we're protecting ourselves, right? And it's right. the energy on us. And so it's just time and time again that gets reinforced. And it's just, it's just great. I remember my question. So you get them for an hour a day right now. You said that one of the challenges was, you know, having parents that maybe aren't used to this and having to kind of maybe be an advocate or at least help them understand, you know, here's why. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to show results to where maybe traditional or have you been able to show results to where it's like, hey, this, this is something that we should look at? Have you been getting outside confirmation from people who now have maybe had their kids go through your class or they're seeing their kids do things different? Just wondered if you've seen actual results or can show that for folks.
1: Yeah, I I definitely can. Um, I send my principal and the admin team weekly data because I am at my core a data and systems nerd. Uh, And so I like to hold myself accountable to what data I'm seeing that's positive and what data seems like an area that I can work on. Um, I also have, uh, you know, when I got into teaching, I thought I would need to wait 10, 20, maybe even 30 years to have students reap the benefits of what I was doing. That often is the nature of K-12 education, right? Kids yeah. resist in the moment. And then later on, they're like, oh, I really need to thank Jennifer for what she taught me. Um, and I don't know whether students are getting quicker <laughs> with realizing it or um, or what's going on. Maybe it's the, the way that I'm teaching, but I, I receive emails every year from students um, And this goes back for the last nine years, students who will move on to the next grade or to the next phase of their lives and email me and just let me know, hey, this is what I'm doing and here's how I'm benefiting. And a lot of the benefits they're seeing are from um, being able to know how they work. That's what I emphasize in my class. They should know what works best for them and when they failed and when they succeeded and why they did each of those. They also get lots of experience failing in my class and being able to process it. Um, and so a lot of them will talk about how that helps them to take more risks and look at this cool opportunity they have. Um, and for many of them, it's public speaking. I do receive a lot of compliments from my colleagues, from parents, and from the community about how well-spoken the students are and how more likely to engage with, for lack of a better term, more likely to engage with other people because they feel confident in it. Um, So yeah, definitely. I'm seeing the results and I have the data to back it up.
0: That is Um, incredible. Do they get tired of you sending them data every week? They're like, Oh, Jennifer. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) But they can't argue
0: with you because you have the data. Well, I mean, just hear that story. It just touches my heart because it's like, that's, that, that's what you're here for, right? You know, when, 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 when you hear something that you did for somebody or something that you like doing can create that amount of impact on somebody. I mean, that, that's why you do what you do. As hard as those days are, where some days you might ask yourself, why do I do this? There's those days. and Every I'm day. sure those help, you know, and they're, they're nicely spaced out, hopefully, to where you get those shot in the arm type of things. Uh, my mom always got invited to graduations. She taught fifth and sixth Aww. grade. She got invited to so many graduations, like mom. And she's always, oh, you know, she was always miss, you know, and it's like, that says something. And the fact that you're already getting this now and to to, first off to have that, it's going to take 30 years for me to see the the fruits of my labor. (laughs) That's pretty good perspective, by the way, but to have that speed up, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's incredible. It's humbling. And um, there's, there's no other feeling like it. And it makes me wonder what, what more I can do. I, I don't generally have that thought. So I'm a little out of my wheelhouse, but so I there's, your that.
0: there's your growth. There's your growth. So here's what you do. You're going to write a book and then the proceeds from the book are going to help you with the school.
1: All right. <laughs> sounds great. sounds like and you start uh, you small
0: with one grade at <laughs> a time, right? And yeah. by the time you start that, if it's within your plan or your wheelhouse, you keep a list of all those students. That yeah. Went through your classes and then you contact them and say, Hey, I'm starting a school. And if they have kids, guess what?
1: Then they'll go to that school. Yeah.
0: Uh, hope so. No, yeah. I, I, this is great. I love this. I don't have any other questions. Anything else you want to talk about?
1: Um, no, I think I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of digest um, Scrum in my classroom and where I'm going next. Um, I, I would say just I'm immensely grateful for the CSM course um, and and my biggest takeaway that I think, I, I just wish um, more educational leaders would apply. This in particular is I'm noticing X. What problem are we trying to solve by doing it this way? Because I think that that's a question that has not been asked enough in education. (laughs) I noticed that we six period day, what problem are we trying to solve by doing it this way? I noticed that we keep subjects separate. What problem are we trying to solve? Um, And so I, I really appreciate the platform to be able to express that maybe, inspire some others to just really think twice about why we do things the way we do in education.
0: Yeah. And you think about education, those are some stoic places where they, you know, the Ford system and then Montessori challenged that. And then, you know, we have charter schools. And so it's good. And now these online courses, because before that online was kind of like this weird thing. And now it's, so uh, it absolutely, it's, it's hopefully evolving to where we can, because uh, you know, outside impression of education is that we're behind in America when it comes to other countries. We're not behind yeah. in colleges. For some reason, we're not behind when it comes to college. And maybe my date is old, right? But it's, it's concerning. And, you know, you want your kids to, I have a, I have one who's been through college. I have a 14 year old and a, and a he'll be 11. And so it's like, are they getting what they need to get? You know, And a
1: lot of people will say that the answer to the U S being behind is more academics. It's these high stakes tests, adding more into the curriculum, less wasted time, eliminate the arts. Let's put an emphasis on STEM subjects. And the answer really, I mean, and you've probably seen that in organizations as well, wanting to, um, promote growth by piling on the work, um, that's not the solution. The solution is, um, to become human oriented, right? Figure Thank out you. what do you absolutely. Think
0: it Cause it's, it's less and less about what you know and it's more and more about who you're doing it with. And so that's where yeah. teaching kids how to work together and you getting that feedback that I'm okay with public speaking now and I'm engaged or it, that's what I tell my kids. It's like, you gotta be a good teammate because no one person runs a company and
1: exactly
0: you can't get along with people and it doesn't mean you're pandering to people or being everything to everybody but there is certain things you can do to learn how certain people like to have information and and that's part of the things you know when you go through college you got to figure out how to be uh you got to figure out your teacher right so that you can get the good grades. Yep. and then it becomes can you do that with people and can you do a good job of connecting and you know Communicating and explaining yourself and being empathetic to others—you just hit it. We have to be more human. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to stop there because that was a good button right there. We got to be more human.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: I'm serious.